Hey, Cammy. <laughs> Here we go. Cammy, welcome to the Ceramics Podcast. Hi, with I'm... Mako. How's it going? I'm doing well. Gus, what have you been working on? I'm making a pot, a big, a really big pot. For what? Your bathroom mm -hmm. again? No, the top of a table. The bathroom pot was a test pot for the big pot that's going on top of a table. Okay, you make ceramic tables, right? Yes. Do you put wood parts on the ceramic tables? Never. Okay, cool, cool. But I'm not actually opposed to it. I just haven't I figured it out yet. Because I've seen your woodwork, and I have to tell you, it's pretty not bad. Thank you. Yeah. That means that's actually the exact level that I'm striving for. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want real carpenters to see it and go like, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you didn't quite have the budget for a real carpenter, but yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> With, uh, well, he made use of what little he has. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you guys didn't have a real wood shop to build this in, huh? No. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> um, I want to build some, I actually want to build benches that have wood legs and ceramic tops but oh that could be cool yeah Have for my really... starting a new company a subsidiary of brooklyn clay called brooklyn table that just makes ceramic tables oh great is that real i i, I don't know i wrote about it one time i wrote a map of who's in charge actually this is all i did uh. <laughs> you're you're just like the information highway Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Um, I see. I'm working on that, but way more importantly, I'm working on a really good white glaze. And I have been talking to Keith. I've been texting Keith a lot. Yeah. And I've also been watching, I bought the Matt Katz, the Ceramic Materials Workshop Cone 6 glaze videos. And I've been watching those to figure out how to make like the most durable cone six dinnerware glaze possible. Gloss or gloss or satin? Gloss. Whoa. And you know what? One of the biggest I learned a lot from the ceramic materials workshop videos, which I had Matt Katz as a professor, but I didn't pay attention. And it was my fault because I was tired all the time. But I learned a lot from that. But I also, yesterday or two days, no, like a week ago, Keith was like, try super packs instead of Zerko packs. Yeah. Super packs is crazy. Why like, is it so super? It is super, super, super fine mesh. I know that Zerko packs makes white. Yeah. Okay. So if you take a clear glaze and you put zirco packs in it, you get white glaze. Yeah. True. True. Okay. So it also makes it harder. Oh. I think. Oh, are you? Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna keep that in. <laughs> okay. But super packs is way finer, and it makes it. It has all the good things that zirco packs does, except at least. I've only used it in one glaze so far, but the Zircopax glaze 
was getting metal marking and the super oh, packs yeah. version no metal marking um this sounds like a terrible commercial for super packs yeah you might think oh i'll just buy a bag of ultrox i think that's what it's called yeah don't spring for the zirko the super packs 500 w i don't know what that means it's probably 500 mesh 500 mesh that's what you're gonna want i don't know if that's real 500 w super packs um all right so you guys you've heard it here first yeah you heard it here i feel like i've joked about this on the show before but like um i just keep getting glaze tests like little samples out and then i go around to everybody at work and I like hold them up and then I scratch and I scratch at them with a fork and I, and I go like, see, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. And then they all just go like, ah, looks good, Gus. But um, this time I did it and everyone was like, yeah, it looks good. Whoa. Yeah. You must be doing something right. You've got their attention. You've got their interest. You've piqued their interest. It might be that, or it might just be that, like, they all collectively agreed to be like, let's just pretend like this next one is like really good. And then he's going to stop it. He's going to stop making us scratch things with forks. Well, actually, when I was in undergrad, we had to do that in our drawing class, we had to do silver point drawings. So we laid down a field of white and then we got a piece of metal and did drawings in it cool yeah so just if you're interested i just want to scratch at things with a fork though like food mostly actually i want to try and scratch things with a fork and be unable to what are you working on then you're not you're not scratching things with forks no i'm not making I'm thinking about starting to make glazes, but I'm still making all these pieces that I've been making all summer. And I just got 10 pieces glazed up. And I got a little Paschke spray booth for my studio and two airbrushes, one sprayer, and 1.5 millimeter sprayer. I'm like in spray booth. Like this is my favorite. I love spray booths. Do you just, do you spray all your glazes or is I this mean, for like special decoration? This is like, I mean, if I could spray all my glazes all the time, I would. I've never had my own spray booth in my studio before. So that's exciting. And then um, I hate glazing and yeah. I love spraying glaze because I'm good at spraying. Because back in 2002, I bought my first airbrush and then I did all these like airbrush drawings to learn how to use the airbrush. And so now I like am using those skills that I wait, did you like were you making the ones where you could like make my head really big next to the space needle? <laughs> no. No, I'm not that good with it. I should try to do something fun like that. Yeah. Like put your head next to the space needle with like bubble letters that say gust of. Yeah. And then underneath, no one calls me that. Yeah. You know what we need? We need a friend at the Ferro Frit Company. And at Mason. Have you ever used white Mason stain? Why would I just use Super Packs? 
Okay, let's say you lived in a world where you did not yet know about super PACs. Uh, would I use white mason stain? Yeah. Probably. I'm just that dumb. You know I'm going to buy some. I'm going to buy some. No. What if it's the best? Like, what if it's the best white anybody's ever seen? And we just didn't know because everybody's like, no, because that's how I always respond to. Yeah, I'm going to use fucking white mason stain. I love this idea. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Buy something that, buy something expensive that you could get for really cheap and figure out on your own. But <laughs> it's just like, it's like a marketing, like it's brilliant. They're just crazy enough to buy it. But it's what just if it's super packs. But no, it's. <laughs> what if it's, okay, what if white mason stain, oh, I got it. What if white mason stain is super packs plus like 0.001% vivid blue? Do you know what actually makes a really, really, really nice pink? Tell me. Half a percent of dark red. You know what? I saw your pink that, that is that, and I was like, that looks like the most beautiful cotton candy that I've ever seen. What's the percentage? Half a percent. So it like essentially doesn't cost anything. Yeah, Gus. I swear to God. Like 7% pink mason stain in glaze. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. know what makes the most beautiful aubergine color? Purple? Yeah. Uh, dark red and blue. Yeah. Yeah, we, were, we made one at one point that we all got obsessed with, but nobody ever used for anything because it, I like made it, it just like ended up being a weird point on a line blend that I was doing for some weird, or I don't even know what the hell it was, but it was 10% dark blue, 10% dark red. Do you know who gave me, you know how I found out that recipe? Huh? Keith Simpson. Oh man. Yeah, he made a, he made a batch of purple clay at Alfred and Nadine Sobo bought me, brought me back a bag as a gift. That's really nice. Yeah, but the, Recipe says point five point two five dark red and five point two five. It's some blue, but it's not. It's not vivid blue. Mazarine blue. No, I don't think it's that one either. I'd have to look it up. You're just naming blues. You want me to guess? Keep guessing. Medium blue, Wedgwood blue. I don't know that many blues. Turquoise blue. Robin's egg. That's a that's a blue mason stain. Yeah, I like that one. Victoria Green. There's at least three, if not four, Victoria Green. I hate that Victoria Green. It burned out in my clay body. Which one though? There's three others. I don't even know because I just ordered Victoria Green. So then I switched to Bermuda Green. Better. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to. The podcast. I know. If you want to know about mason stains, colored porcelains, um, and white glazes, you came to the right place. White glazes made white with white mason stain. <laughs> Which is like, well, oh, laundry bluing. That's why. That's what it is. Bluing? So laundry bluing is like to make your whites feel look even whiter. You add this blue dye. Oh. Uh. 
It's like an old-timey trick called laundry bluing. That's weird. Yeah. It takes out all the, like, to make the whites really, really, like, eye-poppingly white. The analogy that I was thinking, but it doesn't make any sense, was it's like making homemade chicken noodle soup and then adding Campbell's to it. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. But what? I just wanted to say it because I, I like the idea of it. I just I don't know what it means yet. What's like something that's repackaged to be fancier, but it's really some like lo-fi crap? Yeah, but I feel like that's not like... In my brain, it's like you make something good and then you just like put, make it a little shitty at the last second. Oh, it's just, it's an analogy for, <laughs> I was going to say how we make our work. But <laughs> I made my first kind of like, tiptoe into trying to get Mako to send me stuff. You yeah. see, they, they, re, they, sh, they shared my story. Oh, you did. I saw you tag them in their story. And then they, and they reposted it. So Okay. Yeah. I, probably so, got, I probably got brown cow coming soon. Oh. I probably got just froggy, green thumb, brown cow, Irish luck, moody blue. Tuxedo. <laughs> These things are so stupid. I know. It's hard to be a serious artist with materials like that. With Irish luck? Irish luck is my favorite color. Well, that's great because we have Katie Coughlin on the podcast today. There we go. Irish luck. I love Irish luck. Mako stroke and coat. I love Katie post back Coughlin. Okay. Today on the podcast, we have Katie Coughlin. One of the things about Katie Coughlin that I love so much is that she started off at the Painted Pot just like Kyle Lee, which makes me think about the importance of community studios. Like yeah. how many people have started off that are going to like move on through life and like, I know him from the Painted Pot or I know him from Brooklyn Clay and I know him from the 92Y and I know him from Greenwich House and I know him from all those places because they keep getting kicked out. Is that what happened to Katie? She got kicked out of all of them. <laughs> Could you imagine? She's so nice. Like that would never happen. No. Well, Katie's an instructor at Brooklyn Clay and she's so wonderful. Um, yeah. You'll love this podcast. It's like the odyssey of Katie Coughlin. Yeah. And we get to talk about Montana a lot, which is where I met Katie. Do we? I don't know if we actually do. Yeah, you do. And you also talk about Alfred, a lot, Gus. Like a lot. Have you heard of Alfred? No, oh. I haven't. Oh, well. <clears throat> do you have an hour? Or <laughs> I'm good. Um, Let me tell you. For those of you who didn't go to Alfred, which is probably. Hopefully, all of you that are listening right now. Called the grinding room. It's sort of like a ceramic store, but we call, we call it the grinding room. Um. Here she is, Katie Coughlin. I actually, for a long time, didn't even know Long Island was connected to Brooklyn. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like up until like maybe five years ago. <laughs> up until like, like six months ago, you're like, what is that trash pile out there? Yeah. I thought that it was, I didn't know it was on the same landmass. You thought it was like part of Staten Island? No, but, but like if you think about it, if you think about the map, you look at the most of New York City, it's the subway map, and Long Island is not on there. <laughs> yeah, it's cut off. Yeah. So I knew. <laughs> I went out there. And this, I love the subway map because it's like, it's just such a like squat. They just like take Manhattan and just like squish it down. So it's like, it's like this like kind of like wide rectangle. And then you look at a real map of it and it's just like tiny. Really yeah. So you tell us about like growing up in the city. Um, Since we, I mean, my childhood was so far from that. I mean, I can't speak yeah. about Gus's, but like I grew up in the tiniest little town in outside of Cleveland. Gus, yeah, you- I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, across the street from a cornfield. How many kids were in your high school, Gus? Kind of a lot. My my class, I graduated with like 500 some students, but it really, it felt like a, like a suburb, but there was just no city nearby. It would probably be like growing up on Long Island, yeah. but then there's just no city. I graduated with 60 kids. Oh, back to you, Katie. <laughs> back to you, Katie. We really, we're just making this podcast about us. Yeah. Katie, where did you grow up? I grew up here in Brooklyn, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And um, my high school had 80 girls in my cl- I went to an all-girls private school not far from Brooklyn Clay for high school. And that I had eight, only 88 girls in my class. So, my like, in my case, this is why New York is really weird because it's really a small town, right? But yeah. in my case, like, I went to kindergarten uh, with the same – basically the same people I graduated with. Is that true for you? I went th- from first grade through eighth grade. I had only 20 kids in my, in my class. What? In a Catholic you, school. Where? Over here? In Bay Ridge. No. Oh, crazy. High school, okay. In high school, I had 88 girls in my class. Um, wow. You seem like, and I know a little bit about your family, but it's such a, it's like, what I imagine New York or like Brooklyn families are like, cause you're the daughter of a firefighter <laughs> and, and, and uh, yeah. And you grew up in like a beautiful little like brownstone. In yeah. Bay Ridge. Like it's such a, it seems like it'd be a sitcom almost. Oh, totally. Yeah, actually, once when my cu- my friend from Colorado dropped me off here, we had just driven cross country in a U-Haul in a three seater U a two seater U-Haul, and there were three of us. <laughs> I was an intern at the ranch, and I and we drove back. He was moving to New York, and I was coming back for a few months. And he dropped me off in the U-Haul, and all of a sudden, like my dad was walking up the street, and my grandpa stuck his head out the window, and my grandma came out the second floor, and then my mom came out the first floor, and he was like, am I in the Royal Tenenbaums? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, I went, the first time that I came to visit you, Katie, that's what it was like. We like, you met me at the subway, and then oh. when, you, when you moved here, and like, and I had been here for just like a little bit, and I met you in Bay Ridge, and 
we were like walking up from the subway and like your brother's two best friends from high school skateboarded past and then we oh. saw we saw your sister sister hanging up signs for the the <laughs> block party yeah and, did you run into my cousin too that day yeah we yeah. ran into like somebody else it was so good yeah i can't with this so tell us like the pit i mean i know your block tell us about your neighborhood your street um, so my the street I grew up on is Ovington Avenue, which is actually where I live now. And it's I kind of came back to it not in not something that I had ever thought would happen. But I my grandparent my great okay my family's lived on this block for close to a hundred years, if not over a hundred years. I don't know the exact date. But my my family my dad's family came from Ireland in the um early 1900s like way early 1900s and they bought a house down the block that my dad then grew up in because my grandparents came from ireland and ended up moving into that house and then my dad grew up in that house and then i grew up there for part of my life and then my dad bought a house up the block from that house and that's the house i grew up in for my whole childhood and my other set of grandparents, not the ones from Ireland, lived on the third floor of the house that my parents bought. So both my grandparents, lived, sets of grandparents, lived on the same block as me. And my dad is one of 10. So oh my majority of my family, like growing up, lived within a 10 block radius of this house. And now I moved back and moved into the apartment on the third floor because my grandmother passed away two years ago now three two years ago yeah so now i'm living in my childhood house but in a separate apartment so it is kind of different but it's very strange to be back did you think you were going to come back to new york city after no. school no no i never wanted to come back um so Look where i am <laughs> yeah well that's what was so funny when katie first moved back i remember hanging out with her we like went to get a beer somewhere and she was talking about it like coming back to new because everybody everybody else that i know that's here is like you're like oh i like moved to new york to be an artist you know and katie was just kind of like yeah i just moved back to my hometown <laughs> like like all bummed about it um, so did you like did you from a kid did you want to be an artist or did you know like were your parents um, artists or no but, but i my parents were both creative and like i kind of come from a creative family my dad took pottery in college and my mom did photography in college and after but no i went the high school i went to which i'm not you don't have to say, don't say it don't say it. i i needed some outside stimulation from the <laughs> art program and, um <laughs> that we had in school. So I, my mom had signed me up for a pottery class at the Painted Pot in Carroll Gardens. Cause that was oh, like cool. the pottery studio at the time. So like when I was 14 or 15, I had take, I took classes there. Did and you just paint this like paint and then they put it in the kiln? No, they have a pottery studio in the basement. So I was like making pots when I was a teenager. That's awesome. But why did you pick pottery and not like painting or what up drawing or whatever i don't know i don't know i don't i don't remember it ever being conversation or like 
I don't know why my mom signed me up for that. I'll have to ask her. I mean, can you just let us know and get back to us? Because we just, I really want to do some cross-referencing and see if it's about the movie Ghost or yes or no. (laughs) I think it definitely is, but I'll have to confirm with her. (laughs) (laughs) Just, well, anyway. Um, Yeah, so were you like making pots and stuff? Yeah, actually I have my, I still have my first pots from that class. I use them still. Oh my God. Did you just, did you like just love it from day one? Yeah, I really loved it. I, so I had taken that class and then, um, I, my parents, my family has a house in upstate New York in the Catskills. And so I would spend my whole summers up there working at the local youth center. And there is a local potter up there who let me weed her garden in exchange, who let me use the wheel, her wheels in her studio in exchange for weeding the garden. So sweet deal. I know, right? Yeah. So I got to do I continued to do that and then I took photography classes at SVA, like their high school classes, pre-college course classes, and then I ended up going to Alfred. Yeah, but how did you know where to go? I didn't really I didn't really know where to go. And the woman that I had been taking like weeding for had told me about Alfred. And my one of my closest friends from my from high school, her aunt and uncle and her family like had a lineage of people who went to Alfred but I didn't I applied to like a bunch of colleges and didn't really get into any because you have to create a portfolio and I only had like I had to teach I had to learn how to draw in order to make portfolio right yeah and that was really difficult it's really people underestimate the importance of your high school art teacher Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's like one of the most, if you are a serious like kid that wants to be an artist, like the, your high school art teacher will like determine your future. And if I you have know. a shitty art teacher, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder, like, I don't know if you guys know about La, LaGuardia High School. It's an arts high school in New York. It's really famous. And I know a bunch of kids who went to LaGuardia and they're, careers and their network are so big in New York because of that, that LaGuardia network. Well, they have the best teachers and the best, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. And but you could say that about Alfred and you could say that about Oberlin and you could say that about any tight institution. Yeah. My, my high school art teacher credits herself with my career but we did like scratch art. Do you, do you <laughs> Wait, get along with your high school art teacher? <laughs> I haven't seen her in years, but yeah, I get along with her. Cool. Well, what is scratch art? Like, you, you know, when you scratch, like the light, there's like a layer of black and then a layer of color underneath. Oh, my brother does that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, um, it's really meditative, I think. Yeah. Like, Thing. <laughs> she had you guys on like some beta mind numbing scratching. She's like, I know what he's going to shut these fuckers up. Yeah. Yeah. And we had so, some days when we like cleaned out her closets instead of having class. Was she the one that told you to go to Alfred or was it, it was just like you just started looking like what other schools did you look at? Did you look at like RISD and. Um, yeah, RISD, SUNY New Paltz, Pratt, Alfred, 
That might have been it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, once that, Alfred like went to the camp, visit the campus, I knew I wanted to go there. So then you went to Alfred and you were like, this is the best mm -hmm. experience. Actually, for the I, I didn't think I was going to do clay when I was at Alfred. And it, when you're a freshman, you have to choose your classes that your studio classes that you're going to take. And I didn't sign up for any clay classes. Oh, really? Would you take, yeah. were you doing like, performance art classes or I think no I should photography have yeah I, I was doing photo because I really wanted to do photo so I did photo and painting which I hated painting and sculpture and then I switched so that I could be in a wheel class because I couldn't not be touching clay there I felt like oh yeah. right and that was it that was like once you took the class you were like oh this is my natural state yeah. So I've known your work since like 2012 or 13, somewhere around there. And it's had like, it's kind of like, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like I, I could look at the work that I remember from back then and like kind of track it to what you're making today. Like there are a lot of similarities, but I can't really imagine what you were like when you were an undergrad, you must've been like throwing teapots on the wheel, at least at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I made pots. I thought I was going to be a potter. Yeah. Um, and so I still kind of like think about if I want to be a potter or not. And a part of me really does want to be a potter, but I really don't care about making handles. Um, <laughs> well, so that's where my issue, my um, like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I think about this idea a lot because I, think a lot of my work comes back to the idea of the vessel in it yeah in I mean process. we teach on the same night and I know that you teach beginning throwing mm -hmm. and I have seen you like I've seen you glaze your pieces like your demo plates mm -hmm. and you glaze your demo plates like they're just as important as your sculpture pieces <laughs> you know like six hours later she's got one six inch plate glazed <laughs> It's crazy. Katie, like, and me, I'm like, I'm just going to dunk this in clear and get it over with. And Katie's like, they're till midnight glazing one. She's like, I have to wake up at 6 a.m. to get to work. So I'm probably going to be here till 3 a.m. glazing this one tiny plate. It's bananas. Um, well, I, I, lo I love making pots. I love it, but I'm not as good a potter as I used to be. Like I used to be able to make really good pots in undergrad and right after undergrad. But my the first week of my senior year of college, I fell off my bike and broke my elbow. And so I couldn't throw on the wheel. For, so that kind of, that changed the entire tra trajectory of my work. Like if that hadn't happened, I probably would be a potter. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that you had that happen your senior year, and then your last year at grad school, you had another. Okay, let's get to the, like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay, so you graduated from Alfred. Uh -huh. You were like, you had a broken elbow. Yeah, you... for the first three months of school, but I was fine. Linda Sikora really whipped me into shape. My... She'll do that. She'll do that to you. Yeah, she was really wonderful. Yeah. You graduated and you were like, well, I'm going to go. What did you do? I went to Anderson Ranch. I was an intern that summer for from May through September. 
So do they, in undergrad, do they suggest like you should go to do this or you, was it your idea? No, everyone just applies. Like, I think the, the undergraduate culture at Alfred is really incredible. It's, it's not very competitive, but you just want to keep up with everyone. You want to keep up with your peers because those are the ones who are there with you making the work in the studio all night, hiding from the security so that you can stay in the building, like in your studio. And so like, imagine Hawken was in my class. Can you imagine trying to keep up with fucking Hawken throwing pots? <laughs> Hawken, Hawken <laughs> throwing pots like as a professional, I feel like since he was 10 years old or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that that's one true. thing about that school that's about Alfred that is, cause like I, I had like a good group of uh, like fellow BFA students, but you don't have like how many BFAs in ceramics did you graduate with Katie like 40 of them or something um, like you just you're just like surrounded by yeah. other people doing the same thing wow yeah. you're just surrounded by it and you just want you never want to disappoint your professors because they expect a lot from you as an undergrad there conceptually and and craft wise and I think really Alfred's the only reason I have like a huge appreciation for craft yeah I think at Kent State, I was one of two grads. I mean, you know, like the little programs, they only yeah. had like one or two grads. And at Pratt, when I was there, they only had like, you know, like graduating every year was like two or three or four or five, like more yeah. and more. But it wasn't like 20. That's crazy. Yeah. I'd say like out of my graduating class from Alfred, People who are still working seriously in the ceramic field, there's m more than 10 of us. Which is like, that's here. pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 You, so you would have graduated, like you would have already applied to Red Lodge because that's where you ended up for a year, right? No, I applied to Red Lodge. I applied to Red Lodge a while later, I don't know where I was when I had written the application, but so I went to the ranch and then, um, which Anderson ranch, right? Yeah. Anderson yeah. ranch and was an intern there, which is an incredible pro program. And I think was, was kind of like a life changing experience for me. So it was the that. summertime or was it during the year? Was the summertime. So it was like May through September and you're just working a ton. They give you housing and they feed you. And you meet all these artists from a ton of different mediums. But I was working in the ceramic department and working just really hard. And, and it kind of changed. And they give you a studio and they house you, I think, if I said that. Um, and so it was just, like, really amazing. Because it was the first time I had been exposed to that many artists in one place and, like, that diverse, diversity in the art field. Right, because it's not just ceramics. It's all kinds of different mediums right yeah and it, it's like right up the road from the Soldner compound so it was just like really eye-opening for me something I had never been a part of before hmm. yeah and, and then what happened after that then Alfred University gives out a scholarship to two graduating seniors to go to Paris to the Cité des Arts residency in Paris and my boyfriend at the time got that residency. So I went with him to Europe for three months. And then 
he was making he was a painter so and he was just making a ton of work while we were there so we went to paris and italy and then i moved to he's just like her cammy's just blown away right now she can't i know i mean i like i mean yeah that's cool like my boyfriend and after college like he became a assistant for an artist in colorado a ceramicist in colorado so yeah i did follow him to colorado <laughs> colorado cool. yeah it was denver it was really cool it was really cool well i got to for me <laughs> residency with him i only had to pay 100 euro a month so oh. I, yes he didn't have to pay anything so i cashed in all my savings bonds that my grandparents had given me for my entire life and used that money to go that's awesome yeah. Um, and then did you guys break up while you were there? Or did you wait till you get oh. back, got back? <laughs> oh, it's so, it was so traumatic. <laughs> Just a guess. Really deep gouge there. <laughs> it's really right to the heart of it. We broke up. <laughs> we kind of broke up later. We were still dating for a while. We dated for about six years. So it was like, oh, that's a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, but it, we did break up eventually. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great time. Yeah. And so you were like, you, so you wrap that up. And while I was there, I, um, my, my old, one of my closest friends had been living in Alaska working for AmeriCorps. And there was a pottery studio in Juneau, Alaska that worked with adults with developmental disabilities and they needed a pottery studio manager. And so I just contacted them and I got hired. Um, and so I went to Juno right after I got back from Europe and lived there for eight months. And while I was there, got into the residency at Red Lodge in Montana. Okay. So what is Red Lodge? I don't really know that much about it. Oh, it's this amazing facility that David Hiltner started. Um, he's a ceramicist. He went to Syracuse University for graduate school and met his wife Maggie there. And she's a she is an artist as well. She does incredible embroidery work. But so David started this residency for ceramic artists in Red Lodge, Montana, which is in the south of the state. And they give you housing and like top-notch facilities for a year is the long-term residency, and then they have short-term residencies that can go anywhere from a week to three months, I think. And so, it's, yeah, it's like a beautiful little town with no stoplights in it. Yeah, it's at the foot of the Beartooth Mountains. It's like the most majestic setting you could have. And so the studio is seven miles outside the town and you work in the ga gallery there for 20 hours a week in exchange for the residency. Oh, wow. So did you stay the whole year? Yeah, I was there for a full year. Was it, it was amazing. I really, I wonder if I would, if I ever met you during that time, because I used to go there like a couple times a year and I would always go to the place, like at least to the shop, to the gallery. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you, we met, but it, it was, it's just like, they now extended the residency to two years. And I asked David if I could come back and do my second year. <laughs> he said, yes. He said, yes. Nice. <laughs> So this is like, this is really an odyssey. Like you're really bouncing around. So then what happened? Then I went to the university. It's like amazing. 
then I, I went to University of Montana for for a year. Finally, then, you met Gus. Yeah, then I met Gus. Thank God. Yeah, finally. <laughs> well, I'm like, I remember meeting you and thinking, being like, oh my God, like, she's got so much experience already. And and then I was like, I just assumed it was one of those things where like, you were a couple years older than me and like, had already done it. But you had already done so much shit before you got there. Well, I, but I do remember like getting to Montana, to Missoula, which is where the yeah. Montana is and Beth Lowe and Julia Galloway and Trey Hill all teach there. Um, and I couldn't pay my rent like the first month I was there because I had no money because I had just, <laughs> like, oh, I had this job in Alaska was like a nine to five. Like I made a ton of money at the time for myself. Like I was able to support myself for the year while I was in Red Lodge. And then I got to Missoula and I like couldn't pay my rent. And wow. I, what? I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> did you get a, what did you do for a job? I had some I remember. there. I worked at Cafe Dolce, which if anyone goes to Missoula, it's the best restaurant in town. Best coffee, best wine, best everything. Um, and I also worked for Paula Jean. She had a lavender farm outside and outside the, t the town. And I worked for her. It was like one of the best jobs in my life. So How picturesque is this life? I know. Like, what are you talking? What does a lavender farm even look like? Oh, I'll send you pictures. It's it's in this town called Paradise. So it's like lavender farm. <laughs> Come on, man. And it was so beautiful. But I forgot that I worked at the reason I met Paula Jean was I worked at Bitterroot Flower Shop, which is the second largest flower shop in Montana. I remember and that. Now. That was yeah. that was how I was like, I was working there and at the at Cafe Dolce and then Paula came into the shop one day and she just smelled like lavender and I was like what who are you what's going what is this and then I got to work at her farm that happened last night when crew came home I was like you smell like weed I was like who are you it was really weird so what okay so it's like lavender yeah yeah, it's not. <laughs> Did she really smell like lavender? Yeah, she. You can smell her house because now, after she after she operates the she operates the farm. She also has an online dried lavender business, and she makes these incredibly beautiful bouquets that have really um, gotten super popular for weddings and events. So her house has all this dried lavender in it. So you can smell her house like all the way on the corner of the block because it smells so pungent like lavender oh my god could you imagine living just like with the suffocate suffocating by uh, like death by lavender <laughs> she's like totally a zen person because she's just like <laughs> lavender <Chill. all> the <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, gotta got, be I, a balance i got so like homesick for missoula this past week that i went on google earth and i <laughs> <laughs> like followed the route that I would bike to school from my apartment. And then I realized that you can walk up the trail of the mountain to the base of the M. You can? Yeah. On Google earth. Wow. <laughs> it's really nice. Oh. You, yeah. You should do that later. It's fun. I, I'm going to do that. Well, the reason you got homesick is because we talked to Giselle. Yeah, I know. So just like big open studio spaces. So yeah. did you, 
so you're talking about Giselle Hicks. Did you meet Giselle Hicks while you were, how did you guys, because I knew that you knew her. She was like my mentor in grad school, in undergrad. She was at Alfred when I was in graduate school. When I, sorry. Oh, I didn't know that. At Alfred when I was in undergrad. And she like really kind of, she just like took me under her wing, I feel like, and taught me a lot and taught me a lot about life, I I think. And we still, I think we still have really great discussions now. You're like, how long are you there? I, in... In Montana, I was there for almost three years. Whoa. In Missoula, I was there for like a year and eight months or something. Did you ever, like, what did you do after the post-back ended? I got... Did you stuck a, around? I got a yeah. shelf at the place to do in Missoula. Oh, cool. It was expensive. Like, for me, it was expensive at the time. So I had a space there. And then I was just working and trying to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, I didn't have a car, so I would bike ride all winter long. Oh, wow. You, I would wear like full rain gear in the winter. <laughs> That's bananas. Yeah, it was really like crazy. Is that like the New Yorker in you where it was like, I am not getting a car because... No, I didn't have any money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the other thing. I didn't have any money to get a car. Come back for the second part of this interview with Katie Coughlin, and then we will talk a little bit more about Mason Stain and uncover the truths that lie within. <laughs> <laughs> 